0: Welcome, my name is Brandon, and uh, I'm one of the leaders here at Ethos, I'm one of the teachers here. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to get up and grab one. We have them all over the room, uh, different communion tables. That's what they're here for. We know that so often um, you trying to get out of the house in the morning, especially when you lose an hour of sleep. You're just not thinking right, and uh, so feel free to grab one. If you don't have a Bible, take one home with you. We'd love for that to be our gift to you. It's on page 813. If using one of our Bibles, 813. I'll start here this morning. God, the Father, loves his children so much. And Jesus loves his bride, the church, so very much. And God loves this church very much. I've been just putting all my cards on the table. I've been nervous about today. About having this conversation almost exclusively because I've been worried about offending and oppressing and adding more hurt you see I'm so aware that my words and my actions can so often be careless unthoughtful and more from me than from God who is in me and so I just come today not as someone who claims to have all the answers. No, no, I come to you humbly as one of your leaders, as one of your brothers, to simply start the conversation about healing of the racial pain and tension that exists, both in our city, in our country, in our world, and in our own hearts too. I don't bring this up so we can have one conversation, so that we can say, okay, we, we engage in what the rest of the world is talking about so that we, so we can talk about it and then move on. No, I bring this conversation up because this is a, a good first step for us. One of many that we will take as a community. And so today, my hope is that as a first step towards bringing healing to the racial divides, that we would start here in our own hearts. And we're gonna have conversations about what our role is in the city, what the church is called to do as far as standing up to injustices, standing up for the voiceless. But we have to start the conversation somewhere. And I think it has to be looking at our own hearts. So I don't want us to feel the pressure. We're not gonna feel like we have to talk about everything and cover every base today. No one does that, right? In any relationship, when you meet that girl and you stay up till 3 a.m. talking on the phone, you still don't get everything covered, right? But you start. Today, we're looking at our own hearts, not the person next to you, not your boss, not your parent, not your sibling. No, today we're going to come into the presence of God, and we're going to say, God, search my heart. Deal with my heart. Speak to my heart, Lord. And so it's with this humility, with this posture that we come into the presence of God. Let me pray for us one more time, and then we'll jump in. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for healing. God, I have no idea. I have no way of speaking into every situation, speaking into every heart, but I know that you do. That you are alive and well and more beautiful. That God, I will die one day, but you will remain. And so I call on you, the almighty, the holy, the perfect God. To speak to us. I pray that you would allow us to hear the things that we need to hear and the things that might come out of my mouth that the enemy would love to twist and hurt even more, that you would allow those things to fall, that you would allow, God, the words that you're speaking to us stick in our hearts. Would you give us hearts that believe and trust in Jesus? Would you, God, help our eyes to be just open to what you're doing? And we love you. We love you, God. May you be great. May you be, gloried. May you be glorified today in our time together. In your name we pray. Amen. Galatians 5, Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, I love this verse. I encourage you to to memorize it. It's quick and easy. Here's what it says. It says, for the entire law, Galatians 5, verse 14, the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. For the entire law, the entire scripture is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Can I ask us a few questions? I can because I have the mic. (coughs) Here's the first question. Who do you not love like you love yourself? Landry, think about it. Who do you not love like you love yourself? (coughs) You know, there are some people that we are, are willing to sacrifice for. There are people whose company we enjoy, those who we delight in serving. But who are those that you don't? Here's a second question. The entire law, the scriptures were given to help us uh, keep this one law, loving our neighbors ourselves. Why is that so important to God? Why would he give us all of this to help us be people that love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves? I'm a father of three now. One of the prayers that I pray for my children is that they would love each other. When I see Finley, my little girl, my oldest, and Jones, my son, my middle. When I see them fighting and being selfish, when I see them clinging to their toys and holding them to their chest tightly and saying, mine, mine. When I see Jones hit Finley and Finley retaliate by pinching him, it bothers me so much as a father. And I put my kids to bed at night and I pray that they would love each other pray that his brothers and sisters, they would love each other. I can't imagine a situation where one day Finley and Jones are tight and they love each other, but they neglect and they won't include merit. Or the thought that they wouldn't care about each other at all, that they would just be concerned with themselves, that they would live three separate lives always spending all their time in their separate bedrooms that although they live in the same house, they don't play together, they don't eat together, they don't talk together. No, the picture I have for my children is in caring for each other, cheering for each other, sacrificing for each other, being there for each other, playing, And eating and being family, choosing not to live separate lives, but choosing to live into what their mom and dad have sacrificed a lot so they might have. And I start here because I want us to picture the family believers just in Nashville from God's perspective. We have black churches, we have white churches, we have Korean churches, we have Hispanic churches. And I wonder what it's like from God's perspective seeing all of his kids spending all their time by themselves in the bedrooms. And here's the reality. A lot of the reason, the the reason is because of the, the white people. Because we've chosen to play in our room. Not let anyone else in. And that sucks to say. I didn't choose my whiteness. You didn't choose the color of your skin. Today we're going to talk about these hard things. I want to give us two words praying and plowing. Praying and plowing praying. I was talking to my friend Ua on Sunday night. She's a health church leader with us at Ethos. She's a friend of mine, my wife's. She actually taught our kids here at Marathon first semester, just this amazing, brilliant, and kind, just woman who's filled with the spirit of God. And we were talking on Sunday night, and she said, Brandon, I think there is a, a stronghold. There's a spirit that is over this city, that leads to isolation and loneliness. I go, could it be that the enemy is behind the isolation in our city? The racism in our city, could it be the the one that Jesus met in Matthew four in the wilderness? Could it be the one who masquerades as an angel of light? Could it be the one who who knows the scriptures, who is deceiving and who who has a stronghold over the city? Think about racism. Think about what all is packed into that little word that makes us uncomfortable to talk about. Bitterness and fear and resentment and distrust and unforgiveness and pride and a lack of sympathy and those things, my friends, are not from God, none of them. This is bigger than us. It's more complex than we can imagine. It's like a cancer that has wrapped itself around us in our city, that is attached to the very life, the very organs of the city. And what hit me is that this is a a God-sized problem and we need God. We need his power. We need his authority, we need his strength, we need his deliverance, we need God and I love that in the scriptures we understand we come to know a God who's come to do something about it. John the apostle of Jesus who spent Three years just walking and following Jesus, his, his innermost circle, he, he sat down as an old man, and this is what he wrote in First John chapter three verse eight, he says, "The reason Jesus appeared, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Not just the devil's work out there, the devil's work in here. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need Jesus, the only one who ever lived a life where he fully loved someone, everyone, as much as he loved himself. And we can have him. The scriptures reveal that by knowing Jesus, by believing in him, by trusting that he died for our sins, that he rose out of death, that he is forever alive, and that by following him, he will give us the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of God with us that will continually illuminate the enemy's work in our lives. When you became a Christian, those of you who are followers of Jesus, you didn't suddenly shake all the sin out of your life. Right, Amos? You became a follower of Jesus. You didn't become just sin-free, perfect. You did in one sense, because what Christ has done for you. but you've not been living this perfect life. Right, Daniel? When you become a Christian, you don't suddenly become enlightened and have all the answers. Isn't that right, Kate? No, when you become a follower of Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit who empowers us to turn from temptation, the Holy Spirit, who in John chapter 16, Jesus says, he will guide us into all the truth. You see, the Holy Spirit, his job is to help us see where we have missed it, where we are missing it, to illuminate the paths in our lives that are just off. Because of the death of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, we are forgiven of those things. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we get the opportunity to live differently in light of what the Holy Spirit reveals. If you're not a believer and you're here with us today, you need to know this, that as Christians, we are not perfect. But as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we keep saying yes to the perfecting that the Holy Spirit is doing in us. And one of the areas that that I believe the Holy Spirit is working is to bring healing in regard to the racial divides, the racism in our own lives, in our own church, in our own hearts. God really started to reveal to me some areas of racism in my own heart last summer. It was so painful. I grew up on a farm. I'll let you know a little bit about me. I grew up on a farm in Kentucky. My sister, who's older, my younger brother, and I would spend our summers in between school working out in the fields. Sounds like something from the 1800s for those of you who grew up in the cities, doesn't it? You're like, what? That still happens? Yes, it still happens. And we would hire some men from Mexico to come up and work for six months to help us harvest our crops. I got a call last August, one of my dad's workers, a 19-year-old young man, come up for the summer to work with his father, for my family, with my family. He's at the grocery store in Murray, Kentucky. And on a Sunday afternoon, walking through the aisles, he just collapsed They couldn't wake him up. They called an ambulance. They immediately rushed him to the hospital in Murray. They realized that his heart had stopped beating. They shocked him they got his heart beating again and they realized that this was a situation at the Murray Hospital, shocking as it may be, was not prepared to handle. They life flighted him to Vanderbilt. My dad called me and said, hey, we're on our way, but could you just run up there? He's with his dad. His dad doesn't speak any English. They don't know anyone. Would you just go up there and and talk and sit with him? I walked into the hospital room, intensive care unit at Vanderbilt. His father sitting in the corner by himself. I started talking to the nurse. She let me in on the situation. This man had been put in an in, in, in induced coma. He had ice packs all over his body. You can barely just see the, his face. as was the only part of his body that was exposed. They had this stabilizing neck brace on him to keep him from moving. She looked at me and she said, it doesn't look good. And I sat there and I put my hand on his arm and I just prayed and I wept. I wept thinking about what his dad was feeling. He's in a country that is not his own. He didn't speak the language. His son is sick and he can't do a thing about it. I saw his humanity, the image of God. And I don't wanna tell you this because I'm ashamed, but I can because it's who I was, not who I am now. See, up until that day, I referred to our workers as Mexicans, and while it's true that it was their nationality, I always said it with an air of superiority. And that day, as I had my hand on his arm, The Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin. I was disgusted how I could look down on and treat other human beings who Christ had died for. And I felt condemned. And the Holy Spirit was reminding me that I didn't have to stay in that place. That I could confess my sin and start living differently. You see, the Holy Spirit always convicts, but he never wants to leave us there. He wants to bring us into repentance in life. And so I sat for three hours with the Father. And what I could recall from high school Spanish, which I loved, and what he knew of English, we had this broken conversation that was beautiful. And I went back the next day, and the next, the next And I watched as his son woke up. I made a complete, full recovery. Completely okay now. And it was like God was waking me up too. When the Holy Spirit starts illuminating the paths that we have taken, the paths that we are on that are not from him, we need God to change us. We pray that God would change us, that God would change our city, that God would change our country. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1 Rend the heavens, God, and come down. We pray. We pray. I wonder if this is a situation like Mark chapter 9, verse 29, where it says, This kind only comes out through prayer, through fasting. I wonder if the stronghold the enemy has on this city of racism, the divide, the fear, the bitterness, I wonder if prayer, I'm convinced that prayer is a weapon that God has put in our hands to fight. See, but I believe that it's not just about prayer. I want to give us this other word, plowing. You're like, what the heck? Plowing. Isaiah chapter 2 and Micah chapter 4, there are two books in the Bible And there's this beautiful imagery of what life is like when Jesus Christ has his way, what heaven will be like one day. And it says that that swords will be turned into plows. It's this picture in Isaiah 2 and Micah 4 that, that people will no longer be at war against each other, but they will work together, side by side. See, I was reminded this week of the work that God has for us, for the church, the goal that he has for us, the field that he's put us in to work. And this is the work to help every person here, the name of Jesus, to believe in the one who has come to save us, in Jesus, the one who has come to follow him. This is the work that he has given us to do. The goal of the church is not just to have diversity for diversity's sake. It is going to be awesome to have extreme diversity in this church one day. But that in and of itself is too small. We can spend the rest of our lives doing things like we have done them in the past. We can have segregated churches And we will keep reaching people. But I do not believe that's God's heart. And I do not believe we're being effective. Especially as effective as we can be and we will be. See, growing up in those summers working out in the fields, I spent a lot of days working by myself. I loved those days. I loved being in the sun. I had my Discman, for those of you who even know what that is, the precursor to the iPod just going at it and worship. But I'm telling you the days that my friends would come and work with me, exponentially better. To have someone working up and down the rows with you, struggling with you, working beside you, you're sweating together, you're suffering together, you're helping each other, going swimming after. Church, we are made to work together people of all colors side by side helping people see Jesus love Jesus follow Jesus and I really believe that God will use us maybe not in our generation but I believe God will use us to really turn the tide in our city and in our culture over the division of race I think the city one day will look at our church, will look at the church, and see people of all colors. And this is happening, but it's not happening in our church yet. We'll see people of all colors from a plethora of cultures who love each other deeply, who trust each other, who serve each other, who teach each other, who forgive and strengthen each other, who prepare each other, who call each other to more, and who call each other out. They'll look at our church and they'll see a group of people who stand up for each other. Who are not content just to sit beside and rub shoulders with on Sunday mornings, but people who actually know each other. And who are radically unified and committed to the work of God. The work that he has for us of helping our city come to Jesus and be saved. Courtney and I have are in the middle of having some um, work done in our house. I know that's great timing with a five-week-old baby. And I uh, walked in uh, the other morning, got home from work. And um, the men who were working, just believers, just incredible, just men of God. And they were listening to, to oceans in Spanish. And I walked in, and I thought, man, how timely. And I just st- stood there in my, my front room, our living room, And I just closed my eyes and I just listened to the words. And and I pictured what it's gonna be like at Marathon. To have people of all colors and all cultures represented. Where all our songs aren't in English. We sing songs in Spanish and Portuguese and Arabic, Japanese and Mandarin Chinese. Can you picture it? We need to be plowing together, side by side. And I don't have all the answers on how we get there, but I'll share what the Lord is putting in my heart and what I'm trying to do. Simply listening. James chapter one, verse 19 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Listening goes a long way with people. Not just listening to people who have different skin color than you, but just learning to listen to people in general. Can you imagine what would happen if we become a people, a church that really desire to hear other people, who seek to understand their perspectives, their experiences, if we will just listen. So often we will find a deep care, a deep concern for people, a deep love for others. Learn to ask good questions about people, about them. Hang out with Amos and Ann. They'll teach you how to ask good questions. With people in the eyes, what do you enjoy doing? How do you want to spend your life? What are you studying? How did you come to know the Lord? Look deep in their eyes and care for them and ask questions. The questions that you want people to ask you, ask those questions. I appreciate that James, the brother of Jesus, he doesn't say, just listen and don't ever speak and don't ever become angry. No, there's a time to speak and there is a time to be angry. But he puts the emphasis first on being willing to listen to others. I love that Douglas, Douglas and I were hanging out on Tuesday. He said it much more profound, but I'm not as smart as him. And so this is the, you know, the cliff notes version. He he said that every person has something to offer. He says, you don't have all the answers. You don't have everything figured out. And every person can teach us and educate us and shape us if we are willing to listen. I invite you to, to learn to listen. You're like, how do I do that? Every morning, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Just ask God. God, help me to listen to people today. Help me to ask questions today. Open doors for me. Be people who listen. second thing that I'm trying to do that I invite you into with me, not just listening, but, but really loving people, that you would make one of God's chief desires one of your chief desires. You know, sometimes loving people is being willing to say, hey, you offended me when you did this. That's love. And loving people means being willing to own it, to not be prideful, to say, I'm sorry, to adjust. Sometimes loving people means serving. And sometimes loving people means willing to be served. Got to hang out with David and Katie's house church uh, a couple months ago. David and Katie lead a house church where a group of a lot of you all, actually, um, essentially just uh, become friends with some refugee families in Nashville and um, help them get acclimated to life in um, Nashville, and I've been wanting to meet these families. and so they moved out to near where Courtney and I live. And um, so they invited us to come hang out with them one Saturday afternoon and we get there and they had cooked this traditional feast. What their families grew up eating and loved to eat and they cooked this huge feast for the house church that was there to serve them. And I walked into this room and it was just amazing. eat their food, sit at their table, humble yourself, allow yourself to be served. Not just assume that because you have an education and because of your skin color you have more, or that you have to do all the serving sometimes. Loving people is willing to be served. So what do we do with this? I got some bad news for us. We cannot control our world or our country. We can't even control our own tongues. (laughs) We leave here, and maybe we have a little bit of hope because we're starting this conversation, because we've seen some breakthrough, because, you know, we're doing we're committed to doing something as a church family but the reality is we're going back into homes and jobs and neighborhoods that are just ravaged by racial divide and so I end where we started today with a question who do you not love like you love yourself maybe it's a person maybe it's a certain demographic or a group maybe it's a kid in your biology class or a person on Facebook maybe it's the rich maybe it's the poor Who do you not love like you love yourself? And as we take communion, I wanna invite you, maybe the people you came with, and maybe this just needs to be an intimate moment with you and God to just lay those things before God, to confess, and to pray for the people that you don't love like you love yourself. The reality is if you've ever worked in a garden, if you've ever worked in a field, plowing is never easy, it is tough work. It is hard to love people, especially ignorant, apathetic people who've offended us. But today, as we, the Church of Jesus Christ, seek to start working towards being able to really going after this city for Jesus with others, let's start here. And before we can take the sawdust, as Jesus says, out of others' eyes, Let's make sure we don't have a plank in ours. And if we do, let's take it out. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you to come to him. It's not a coincidence that you're here today, that nothing and no one will satisfy you like Jesus, that he will give you joy and meaning and peace like no one else, no one else can. He is real and he will change your life. I want to invite you, if you're not a believer, I want to invite you to do something this week. I want to invite you to, if you have a Bible at home or you can download the app on your phone or you can take one of our Bibles, I want to just invite you to read the book of Mark this week. 16 chapters long. You've got seven days to do it. And I want you just to examine the life that Jesus lived, the compassion that he had for people, the things that he did, the things that he tried, the man that he was. And if you're interested in a life of compassion and mercy and grace and healing and reconciliation, Jesus Christ lived it like no one else has or will. We're going to take communion here in just a minute. Bread and a cup all over the room. And we take this. And I'm hoping that, that as we take the bread, as we drink the cup, that there is a, is a visible, is a, is a physical, emotional a change in the room. As we think about the, the body and the blood that was broken, that was spilled for us, for all of the brokenness, for all the fracturing that we have done, and God knew it, and he didn't just get, throw the towel in on us. No, he came and he died for us. And the picture of what will be is one day people of all colors around the throne of God, working together. And there's hope because of Jesus. There's hope because of Jesus. This is not a conversation that leaves us in the pits. This is a conversation that Jesus Christ is leading his church, and we will follow him.